Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's Friday. August 19th, and oh man, I mean, as Ryan Fitzpatrick says in the intro, we better be in Florida, there better be some fruity drink involved. Well, I am actually in the great state of Florida, although the fruity drink has not happened yet, and that is to come. I'm sort of like kind of on vacation, but there are no days off for this podcast. Dalton, there's no stopping us here. Uh, It's August, like the, the season is right around the corner. We're super fired up. We're doing this show Buddy, I, I'm gassed up for this show today because this is going to be a Dalton Del Don flamethrower special. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. You have me up a little bit earlier than usual, but happy to do so to talk football with you. And yeah, you're in Florida. Come on, we got to get this finished so you can get that fruity drink in your hand ASAP. So yeah, let's talk some running back uh, hot takes and then later some Browns. Regional and seasonal, baby. That's, uh, that's what this is all going to be about here. But yeah, let's first <laughs> go through a little bit of news here. Frank and I talked last episode about Ken Walker and, you know, some of the murkiness. Let's let's be fair, I guess, to Pete Carroll with uh, how the injury was described. Um, Ken Walker is actually going to undergo a procedure for his injury and will miss the remainder of the preseason. Again, Pete's not going to say what the procedure was for, but apparently it's not for the hernia. I mean, okay, Pete's always been a little bit uh, mercurial with his injury discussions, so we don't really know what's going on here. But bottom line, Dalton, how are you approaching this backfield now? Um, Rashad Penny also been banged up this offseason, too. Yeah, I've been a Team Penny guy before this news, so I guess it's helped some of my already drafted fantasy teams. Um, First off, this is a bad situation. Obviously, no Russell Wilson there. Uh, The Seahawks ran by far the fewest number of plays last season, like equivalent to like two or three fewer games than the Bills, something wild there. But Penny was fantasy's top scoring running back over the final six games last year after he returned from injury in week 13, led the NFL in rush yards over expectation per carry. I mean, he looked like a true star. Uh, And and Carroll had historically preferred veterans over draft capital. So my thinking was he was going to get the first shot. Obviously, one of the more injury prone players in the entire league, even nursing a groin injury as we currently speak, although he did return to practice. 
But this is a guy who was, again, the number one fantasy back over the final six weeks last year and wasn't getting drafted as a top 25 back. Um, not the greatest receiver, but uh, a star in college. I mean, he had 39 touchdowns his final two years in college. Um, and again, all the nerd metrics, he was just killing it last year on the ground. So with Kenneth Walker now dealing with an injury, uh, a coach that already predisposed, you know, historically has, has preferred his veterans. I, I like Penny, but because of this news, he's going to creep back up trap boards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd had Rashad Penny a few spots ahead of Ken Walker. Like I was doing almost the the hedge rank thing that we've talked about on the show a couple of times. But there was a decent, uh, you know, three or four spot gap between Rashad Penny and Ken Walker in my rankings. Um, I, I agree that I think if I'm drafting a guy, even before this news, honestly, I think if I'm drafting a guy, it would be Rashad Penny because I think he gets out of the gates hotter than Ken Walker does. But like I said with Frank yesterday, Dalton, do you think there's any sort of validity to the idea that this could be um, a, a Nick Chubb rookie year type of situation where a lot of folks steamed him up the draft board, but then eventually ended up dropping him, but he was kind of more relevant towards the back half of that year. Cause I mean, the Brown, I remember the Browns were running out like Carlos Hyde in the first few weeks of that season. I could see this being sort of that situation, but Penny certainly has got more juice than Carlos Hyde did at that point in his career, but he is only on a one-year contract, not super invested in by the team. Yeah, and Walker did have admittedly some really impressive, um, really impressive college metrics as well. And Penny struggles in pass protection too. So it could be that exact situation. Penny is the guy you want the first half of the season. He suffers the inevitable injury. Walker gets healthy and he destroys with fresh legs over the second half. Would certainly prefer that other than some committee the whole year. But um, yeah. that would be the worst is an is a even split in, on a team with one of the worst offenses in the league who runs the fewest plays. Uh, yeah. so that, that wouldn't be ideal with Geno Smith playing quarterback. So hopefully it's one or the other for fantasy uh, managers. But uh, it looks like from the beginning of the year, it's certainly going to be Penny's backfield. Yeah, and you said Rashad Penny not good in pass protection. And Ken Walker doesn't have like any history as a receiver in college. Like the beat writers have been saying, like Michael Sean Dugar covers the team. He said months ago, like Travis Homer is going to be the third down back for this team. So that's another, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just like, great. you'd rather not draft any of these guys. Honestly, that's, that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, speaking of backfield committees, uh, at Wednesday's practice, Broncos running back Melvin Gordon said, quote, they want Javante to be the guy. I think this is interesting, right? With, um, you know, Melvin Gordon kind of saying that uh, the full quote wasn't quite as like hammer down, you know, but Gordon's trying to make the most of his opportunities. You know, he's not just like seeding to the younger player or anything like that. I, I, listen, I think Melvin Gordon and was good last year. I think he's still a pretty good player. Uh, I've said this a few times that he's kind of the, the epitome of the life cycle of fantasy running backs where now he's just kind of the pesky veteran or whatever. And in, in ahead of a young guy back when he used to be like the young, exciting first round pick Jason Moore of the fantasy footballers made a really strong case for Javante Williams, despite the Melvin Gordon, um, you know, like the fact that he's lurking there and all that stuff that you want to take Javante Williams just because of the ceiling outcome and the floor outcome. If he doesn't get hurt is still pretty good. Where do you come down on Javante Williams? I mean, this is kind of like writing your wheelhouse, buddy, like young guy, second year running back. You should be all over this. Yeah. I don't have a strong take whatsoever here. I'm more in line with the market. So on one hand, Melvin Gordon averaged the exact same number of opportunities as Javante Williams last year, 15.1. Melvin Gordon had more carries. He had more carries inside the five. He had 13 more red zone touches. He ran more routes. He had a better rush yards over expectation. So this really was a full-blown split evenly backfield. But 
Gordon's the older back who, you know, already was dealing with the minor injury, although it's funny. Funnily, there was a picture caught with his cell phone on his sock and people thought that was a, a foot pad. But <laughs> but but we all we've all seen Javante Williams. He pops on screen. He looks like a future star. If yeah. Gordon was not re-signed, I could have ranked him as high as my RB3 right behind yeah. CMC and, and Taylor. So, I mean, you got Russell Wilson joining the, the offense now with the two star receivers. So you could certainly see a scenario if Gordon goes away, Javante Williams pays off big time, even as a you know late second round. Rounder. He could be a top five fancy guy this year, but as it currently stands, this looks like it could really still be a committee. You love to hear the you know the the, the talk about that and Williams. You want him to emerge, but man, based on the evidence of last year, um, it might take an injury for for us to really see Williams uh, reach that potential this year. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. By the way, I love that you brought up that cell phone in the sock photo with Melvin Gordon. I'm very thankful to have this job and this career. I frankly can't imagine having a real job at this point. Like that would, if, if fantasy football for whatever reason ceased to exist, I don't know what I'd do with my life. I don't really have any more legitimate skills, maybe manual labor. That's it. <laughs> and, but it's sometimes I, I think, wow, this whole thing has really jumped the shark. And when that like picture circulated going around of like, Melvin Gordon spotted with his ankle taped up or something like that. It's like, bro, that's obviously a cell phone. I'm glad he came out. and was like, this is a, that's just my cell phone. There's, that was one of those times where I like, I think this has really jumped the shark a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I, I think that Javante Williams, again, the, the floor is still pretty good to me. The ceiling range of outcomes. Don't you think there's a chance though, that like he just gets out there. It is, is so much better than Melvin Gordon and just kind of blows this thing away. But I, I'm, I've still got him at running back 15. You know, I could see myself putting him ahead of Nick Chubb at this point, but I don't think I can get him ahead of guys like Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley, who we're going to talk about um, some of those players. Yeah, he's my RB 13. I do have him ahead of, of Nick Chubb. Yeah, I, I I would because of the situation, Denver. I mean, yeah. Nick Chubb is arguably the, one of the best running backs in, in, in football right now. But uh, yeah, because of the situation, I do like Javante Williams. Like I said, I have a, a boring take here, right? Uh, even with ECR, it was my RB 13. Um, and I, I've actually had zero of him. I, I've I've personally been when rather Aaron Jones or Kamara in round two. But yeah, I could see if you if you get late, late second and if he falls to early third, uh, hard, hard to pass on that upside. Yeah, I just haven't found myself clicking him very often because there are guys that like and receivers in that range, too, that I like better. You know, Mike Evans, I, I prefer as a second round pick. Um, even Mark Andrews is kind of tempting as well. All right, Dalton, you said specifically this was going to be a running back centric show. You really twisted my arm to talk about a young, exciting receiver. You said you've got a George Pickens uh, take to get off or a few thoughts you wanted to kick around. W what's on your mind, buddy? Uh, reports are that he's, quote, holding his own against, you know, the Steelers secondary. That's one thing I've thought about, um, you know, like with Mitch Trubisky struggling in camp and, and stuff like that. Some of these reports, but the quarterback's not trying. I'm like, I mean, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is just really damn good. Yeah, and they're definitely a live option for week one survivor in Cincinnati. But um, <laughs> all right, no. <laughs> George Pickens, here's my, my quote of talking about survivor. Uh, Pickens, uh, George Pickens is getting so much hype right now. It, it's crazy. Um, uh, we know he fell in the draft thanks to injury, off-field issues, but dude is getting compared to Randy Moss already. Um, I was ready to call him, and I looked this up. Bet MGMs, he, he's currently the favorite to win Rookie of the Year at plus 850. Wait, I mean, really? How, uh, Yes, he's currently the what? favorite to win a BetMGM to win Rookie of the Year. Yes, this despite sharing uh, targets with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool from Mitch Trubisky. I mean, and I believe a month ago, he probably wasn't top 30 on that list. So pretty wild oh there. And I 
And and I came across an interesting stat that I want to ask you because I know you side on the on the side of Deontay Johnson's a good quarterback. It's not he wasn't getting all the targets because of uh, Roethlisberger's uh, limited ability. But I want to counter with this because I've come across this. It's very small limited sample, but uh, Deontay Johnson twenty seven percent target rate with Big Ben dropped to nineteen percent with him off the field. That's a thirty percent target share drop whenever Roethlisberger was not on the field with Deontay Johnson. So now we have Pickens. I this actually has caused me to lower Deontay Johnson a bit further. And the flippening has already happened. In a draft I was in last night, Pickens went ahead of Claypool. So, I mean, and it looks like the the the, the real high stakes ADP, he's already gone ahead of Claypool. And I, I can't argue that. So thoughts on, on how this affects Deontay Johnson. And despite a horrible quarterback situation, could Pickens just be that guy immediately? Yeah, so a couple things here. The first one, the Claypool thing. I have uh, thought about this through the course of the week, after the preseason, after all the camp reports. I mean, I would really love to get some solid information that it is going to be chase Claypool, you know, as the third receiver and George Pickens and Deontay Johnson as the two outside receivers in two receiver sets. Like if that's how George Pickens walks into week one, it's a no brainer, obviously that he should be ahead of chase Claypool. But you know, frankly, I I told you guys before this, because I'm a super cool guy um, that's sitting in the airport yesterday. I'm like, I've got my notes app open and I'm, I'm thinking like, this ranking change, this ranking change, when you get to Florida, like, you know, make these changes on the, on the Google sheet. And I was, one of them was flip Chase Claypool and George Pickens just, you know, right off the bat. So I think that's obvious. I think that's a no brainer. I'd like what Claypool showed as a rookie, but he was just, you know, people, Dalton, one of the criticisms I get, which I feel pretty good about this being a criticism of me is that I'm too positive uh, with like players and stuff like that. I don't talk about guys. I don't like enough. The two players that underperformed my expectations in reception perception the most from last year were easily Chase Claypool and Kenny Galladay. The two, like, below what I expected of them, those are the two. So if we want to talk negativity, there's two guys. Um, with Chase Claypool, can't I Can't separate, right? Separation problem? Say, yeah, yeah, can't separate. And I think Galladay actually at different points in his career wasn't, like, a bad separator. I think he gets kind of labeled as a contested catch guy because that's – um, or at least that's what he was with the Lions, you know, like labeled as a contested catch guy, but actually could get some decent separation. But man, I mean, last year he literally couldn't get open from anybody. And I mean, and at the same time, too, you know, a lot of contested targets. Daniel Jones not really loving to throw into tight coverage. So it was just a really bad fit. D- frankly, it doesn't look like or sound like it's getting any better than that. With Claypool, yeah, same thing. Like he showed the ability to get open on like some manufactured touches. Uh, as a rookie, you know, like some of those crossing routes against zone coverage from the slot. That's why I want him to kind of go back into that role. But yeah, he um, as an outside receiver last year, he couldn't get open. He couldn't hack it like he couldn't run the routes the way you want him to. So that brings us back to George Pickens, who absolutely can do that. I think he... Again, a, a guy that gets typecasted as a, as a pure vertical player, I think he's got really nice ability to separate and run strong routes from the under, like in the underneath and um, intermediate sections of the field. And he does this as like a pure X receiver. That's what's interesting too. Like Deontay has been a pure X receiver the last two years. Lines up on the line of scrimmage, doesn't move around pre-snap you know, isn't motioned into favorable looks like he has the most difficult role that any receiver can't has um, few, fewer guys were lined up as that just true X receiver more often than Deontay Johnson last year. And that's the role that George Pickens had at Georgia, you know, often on the field because he kind of had a rocky college career. So I think like actually Deontay moved profile because of his size as a pretty decent flanker receiver. And then they can have Pickens take over that X role. But I mean, 
I don't know if I'm totally answering the question here, but I'm really, I mean, I'm gassed up about George Pickens and I do think it's, you know, I've got Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 18, which is actually kind of below his consensus ranking anyways. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable leaving him there, but, I, and I do think that George Pickens, if he hits the type of ceiling that he's capable of and all signs are good so far, He's going to mix things up for Deontay a little bit, but I think the two of them can coexist together, and this would be a really exciting duo in the long term. All right, fair. I think I'm personally out on on Deontay based on these d- developments. Man, I love that Pickens clip of him just shoving, what was it, the Seahawks DB back who tried to yeah. press him or whatever. That was that was great. Man, I personally can I know that, that Justin Jefferson and Chase had some monster rookie seasons, but I cannot remember uh, uh, personally uh, a season entering the year with more rookie wide receivers to be excited about. I mean, Tolbert's immediate opportunity in Dallas, Dobbs, uh, Wandell Robinson, Dotson. I mean, I haven't even talked about the guys, Lond- London, Burks, and Olave, and now Pickens. I mean, it's just seems like it's a loaded wide receiver class that are all immediately looking good and going to get opportunities. Yeah, that's the thing about Pickens, too, is that he would have been, you know, had he gone down the progression that the early part of his college season looked like, he he probably would have been, you know, a top 15 pick. He would have been regarded with all these other guys. So that's something to keep in mind. Like, he's not just some random second rounder. I, I don't know how high you want to end up ranking George Pickens, but I do think he's a guy to earmark at the end of your drafts and just kind of see what happens because, man, he's a really, really good player and a good blocker. Like you mentioned that clip in the preseason. He used to do that stuff at, at Georgia, too. Uh, so he's he. that's why I think he's probably going to end up on the field in, in two receiver sets because his team does want to run the ball and he's such a good blocker and you not, you can't take Deontay off the field. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really like this duo and the way this is shaking out. Last thing here, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. Uh, the Athletics, Jeff Howe and Joseph Person report that Baker Mayfield is expected to be named the Panthers week one starter. I mean, shoot, I, I would hope so, right? I've said many times I want to be in on DJ Moore this year. I, I want to rank him a few spots ahead of consensus. I think this is a good year to draft him, but we need Baker Mayfield to be out there for really honestly the full season, but especially right away. Yeah, so I was struggling coming up with, I pick, I have to, I'm required to write a sleeper for every team for a yearly column, and I couldn't come up with a good one for Carolina, so I settled on Baker Mayfield for a, a super flex leagues. And looking into that, um, it was interesting to discover that he's played a third of his games in quote unquote windy conditions, according to however Yahoo qualifies that. So 20 of his 60 games he's played in uh, windy conditions, obviously as a poor offensive line and, and coaching situation now in Carolina. But I think he's a massive upgrade over Sam Darnold, uh, you know, from from one of the worst bottom three quarterback play to league average. It's a big upgrade. And. Dude, I'm tempted to really move up DJ Moore even higher than than 10, like right there with Higgins, Pittman. And honestly, I had a hard time in the early third round last night in full PPR. I took your guy, Mike Evans, over him. Uh, he fell all the way. But oh, I, wow. I'm considering DJ Moore as high as there in full PPR. I think he's going to get all the targets and, and, and all the catches there. And I, and I think it's, it Mayfield and him are going to have a real nice, real nice season together. Yeah, love DJ Moore, the player. I kind of wish they would use him a little bit differently. I don't like how they just they they kind of just line him up as the X receiver and don't really move him around and do some creative stuff with him. Um, but I don't really think this coaching staff is that sharp. I love that you're yeah. you're, no, you're yeah. pushing. Yeah, I love that you're pushing up DJ Moore like that. And to your point about the lack of sleepers on the Panthers, I mean maybe we'll see what happens with Tommy Tremble. Um, I do think Robbie Anderson's going to walk into more targets than like his current ranking, but he, it's like Robbie Anderson, so there's always something kind of going on there. It probably not going to happen for Terrace Marshall. The fact that you say there's a lack of sleepers on the team actually probably makes you feel better about like their frontline guys. Like DJ Moore should just get a dominant target. McCaffrey and Moore are going to get 300 targets. Yeah. 
Seriously, I, I think it. so. I think so. Um, I filed the wide receiver preview for Yahoo uh, before I, I left on Wednesday. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there like at wide receiver 12, wide receiver 13, going back and forth between A.J. Brown and, and D.J. Moore. I filed it with A.J. Brown at 12. But then I kept it ranked DJ Moore at twelve, so I'm like going back and forth between those two guys. Uh, but really exciting, really exciting uh, things for DJ Moore this year. All right, Dalton, let's get into the meat of this episode. You've got some you have some fire takes to get off here about the running backs that you are ahead of consensus on. Um, you know, we did this with the wide receivers a couple of, uh, but it's not like last week. Who knows? Time is like a, is a fleeting thing at this point. But let's start this off. With Saquon Barkley, man, I mean, Andy kind of came on uh, the show and gave the bearish case against Saquon Barkley, like a why he's just not found himself drafting him very often, why he's kind of more expecting him to be the guy that he's seen, you know, like at least last year and obviously kind of been haunted by injuries. But you've got Saquon Barkley at running back four where he's the consensus ranked running back 10. Just for context, I'll give my own here. I'm, I'm running back 11, so I'm kind of right in line with consensus but dalton my guy give us the barkley love so i'll do you one further i've i've moved barkley to my rb3 i actually took him above Ooh. dalvin dalvin cook in the league we're in together and then last night in the first round uh, i i realized that I, I was upset when barkley went ahead of me at pick number 11 and i was forced to take cook instead so i'm like why am i doing this if this is the way i feel so i spent we can get to cook later but the fact that alexander madison is no longer his clear backup that's a whole uh, shakier situation there with some real emerging interesting guys there in minnesota's backfield but saquon barkley let's talk barkley who's just one year older than Najee harris by the way yes he has been a fantasy bust the last two years I love how Andy and I can talk trash each other uh, just through you. But um, that's easily my favorite part. My my brother-in-law, who was on this trip with me, was like, "I love that everybody like bags on Dalton, and then Dalton comes on and just bags." On. It's, it's I think it's the best part of the, the show so far. <laughs> well, Andy loves to talk about how Barkley w- w- was bad and breaking tackles and all this, but he, he he conveniently forgets that the dude is playing through a badly sprained ankle through the whole thing. It was such this weird fluke play after the whistle where def- he ran over the defender's foot, and he was playing hobbled the rest of the season while also recovering from a torn ACL. In the first four games before that ankle sprain, he was averaging 80 yards from scrimmage and had three touchdowns despite playing two top 10 defenses and getting limited work coming off that major surgery. This guy had 2,000 yards and 90 catches as a rookie with 15 touchdowns. Now he's in the proverbial best shape of his life. Brian Dable taking over coach there. They drafted Evan Neal in the top 10 to take over left tackle. Their their offensive line actually could sneakily get better there. Uh, A couple other improvements there. So he's going in the top 10 in the high stake leagues for a reason. I mean, why are people talking themselves into Christian McCaffrey going number one overall? Because they're like any running back and get hurt. Every running back is injury prone. They're healthy now. They're uh, how I bet uh, 50 to one uh, uh, when I was in Las Vegas, they limited my bet there for Barkley because dude, how many people can even win the, sorry, to win the rushing title? How many people are even possibly could five, six, the first preseason game, Barkley had basically, he was on the field every single play, the drive of the starters and got almost like 80% of the touches or something. So yes, I understand there's a health risk here, but Barkley, uh, I mean, if everyone stayed healthy, it'd it'd be McCaffrey one and Barkley two. If you told everyone in the league is going to stay healthy this season, it would go uh, McCaffrey one and probably Barkley two. So that's my, my argument for Barkley. And like I said, in the high stakes leagues, the dude's going in the first round for a reason. Yeah, we're going to have Edwin Porras, who we've mentioned on the show, when you and I have been together, I think, 100 times. We're going to have him on the show next week uh, to kind of go through the medical case for Saquon Barkley and several other guys in the medical case against for a few other players as well. So that'll be fun. Uh, so stay tuned for that because uh, it's not really in my wheelhouse. But, man, 
that point that you made about if you're okay putting, you know, Chris McCaffrey first or second overall because any running back can get hurt. And the, the I mean, the workload and the role for Chris McCaffrey is truly rare in fantasy football. Saquon Barkley. Matt not- Breida, Gary Brightwell. That's yeah. the depth chart. Matt, I mean, it's a joke. Right. It is an absolute joke. It's the worst backfield depth behind the starter in the league, bar none. A hundred percent. And, and yeah, it seems like the Giants are just banking on Saquon Barkley being healthy, right? Like, if they if he goes down, they're effed, you know, like they're screwed. So they're, Matt Breida, I mean, I like Matt Breida, but come on, like he's a role player, right? They don't have a Alexander Madison or, um, you know, any other of these really promising back, like a Tony Pollard type, A.J. Dillon. They don't have something like that, you know, waiting in the wings. If they go down, this rushing offense is going down with Saquon Barkley. So that piece of analysis there does kind of ring true for me that, man, and I, again, I've got Barkley at running back 11. I guess... Is like the Panthers' offense so much more promising uh, that you'd boost McCaffrey up than the That's Giants what I was say. Well, I, I don't love that Daniel Jones hasn't impressed enough to where Tyrod Taylor's getting a little of a run with the ones, but Kadarius Tony stays healthy with Wandell Robinson impressing. Though I mean, that's some, suddenly some upside if Kenny G bounces back. I mean, that's that offense is not going to be you know bottom five in the league either with those weapons. I mean, Tony looks like the real deal. Yeah, Tony's banged up all the time too, and he's I know, you know so I, know. I don't I know the Giants just feel like they could be the same story as usual where all these guys are really exciting and you know, it just, it doesn't come together like it looks on paper. And I think Daniel Jones is the biggest X factor, but Barkley theoretically from a pass catching standpoint, he hasn't always put it together. It hasn't always been there, but theoretically he has the upside as a pass catcher to kind of make up for any lack of ceiling that the offense presents. Last point on Saquon. The only thing that keeps me kind of, a little hesitant to move him ahead of guys like Harris or Mixon or Swift or even Fournette just because the situation with Fournette is so good. Although I think I might need to swap Leonard Fournette and, and Saquon Barkley there. Can you remember typically when it goes for running backs, like it just goes and it goes fast. Like I think of guys like Todd Gurley or David Johnson, you know, some of these players in, in recent memory, at least. And there's obviously longer term examples you know before that typically when it goes for for running backs like when it starts to kind of trend this one way it just falls off and I'm I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here because I don't know if I really believe that that's the case for Barkley and I know that Edwin who's going to be on the show doesn't believe that either but do you remember like any good examples of a running back and I'm there might be one like kind of slumping like this like two-year decline suddenly coming back up to like a, a RB1 fantasy level that is a good point, and nothing, no one jumps directly to mind, but I would just counter and say, again, he's 25 years old and just one year older than Najee Harris. Normally, I'm all about being a year too early and a year too late. I mean, I'm already, I'm the guy burying Derrick Henry over here, so <laughs> I, I hear I hear you, but I mean, he's impressed throughout summer. He looks uh, to be awesome shape, and I mean, he's the guy caught 90 catches as a rookie, and he's 25 years old, and he's, he's doing all these breakaway runs, supposedly, in summer, so I see no reason why to doubt it, but I do hear you. That's that, that it is a rarity for an NFL player. This is yeah, this isn't baseball. You see it happen all the time. But for an NFL running back to like lose two years in their prime and then suddenly become a stud again is probably a, a rarity. Yeah. So, but I think that this is the type, the archetype of player that you want to bet on and happening. Like he's if, one. If, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It could be that outlier. Um, all right. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift. I feel like we've mentioned him on the show recently as you know someone that in the first preseason game. 
I don't think this should have been a surprise. Like if you expected DeAndre Swift to play like 90, 100 percent of the snaps with the first team offense, I think you were kind of kidding yourself. It was more like 60, 40 with Jamal Williams. And I actually think Jamal Williams is still a guy that, you know, if you're doing some, you know, zero running back here, running back type builds, like you might still want to take Jamal Williams. I think he's going to give you some usable weeks as a top 50 back where you're ahead of consensus on DeAndre Swift. Still, you have him at running back five. His consensus ranking is running back eight. Um, I have him at running back eight as well. Give us the strong case for DeAndre Swift. He may Swift may even fall a spot or two after a hard knocks. They were harsh on him and made it feel like he was, you know, uh, missing some assignments here and there. Have you seen the latest episode? But Swift led uh, all running backs in targets and catches last season before suffering a shoulder injury on Thanksgiving. He led all fantasy backs in expected fantasy points per game with with his receiving. Yeah, a few things here. Detroit's offensive line might be the best in football. Um, this guy's in his prime, and it's just all about the, the 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 targets and the goal line work. And I do think he's going to dominate that still. And I don't hate the fact that Jamal Williams exists. As I just said, I I I like a clear backup you can get in round eleven, and no one's fighting you over Jamal Williams. Yeah. And because of the interesting situation in that offensive line, I do think he would be a you know a flex worthy start if if he if he were to replace you know Swift were to go down again. But I like the situation. I understand it's not super high compared to the market, but what I'm saying here is personally, I, I like DeAndre Swift more than Derrick Henry and Najee Harris, uh, even in PPR leagues. Yeah, I don't mind that the Lions are kind of coaching him hard, uh, DeAndre Swift, because if you really look at some of the underlying metrics last year, he wasn't great as a rusher. He was prolific, obviously, in fantasy because he was catching just a ton of passes. I am a little... Um, a little worried about his pass catching role because it kind of fell off the map with uh, when Anthony Lynn was replaced as the offensive coordinator um, or replaced as the play caller with Ben Johnson and uh, Dan Campbell kind of mixing in there. But that could also be the fact that he started to get hurt and they took that, that role away from him to just kind of get him a breather, keep him fresh, that type of stuff. Although I do think that like, some of those targets are just going to go to Amon Ross St. Brown now. But at the same time, you got DeAndre Swift saying out here that like Deuce Staley, the running back coach who is, you know, is coaching him hard, hasn't feeling like the sky's the limit. The Lions running back says his personal goal for 2022 is to have a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards. And I mean, he's that type of guy as a pass catcher. You know, Dan Campbell even compared him to Alvin Kamara when he got there. So I get it, man. I, I want to be in on DeAndre Swift. You've got him obviously ranked kind of closer towards the ceiling, but it's just a signal that, look, look, you're in on this player and, and you better be drafting him. You're right. The production did fall the second half or the last six weeks or so. I hope it's partially due to that shoulder injury he was nursing. But Amon Ross St. Brown is no joke. I mean, that was yeah, like a 32 percent so target share. I think they both can get theirs just like in Carolina, though. I mean, I understand they brought in DJ Shark, but I don't think Jamison Williams is going to play this year. So I, I think it's fine. I think St. Brown and Swift can both eat. They, they're going to get Swift the ball in space. They know he's the team, their team's best player on offense. Um, I just I just hope he can stay healthy. Yeah, and I think DJ Shark, I'm glad you brought him up because I feel like we haven't really talked about him on this podcast he's a guy that you don't want to be funneling a ton of targets through especially by the way if you're Jared Goff like Jared Goff loves layup targets that's why he loves Amon Ross St. Brown that's why he loved Cooper Cup back in the LA Rams days and why DeAndre Swift fits in so well with Jared Goff in this offense Chark is going to be there to basically like be almost think of it as the insurance policy for Jamison Williams if he doesn't play at all this year like Chark can be that guy 
Chark has just not been good the last two years, man. I mean, he had a good 2019 season as an individual player, but the last two years, again, in like reception perception, isolating from him from his surroundings, he just hasn't been a good separator. He hasn't been able to win on a route by route basis. So I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and there and command a lion's share of the targets, but he does stretch out the field which is what you need. Like, if you're going to be Jared Goff, you're going to run this type of offense, and you're going to have a big slot receiver and a pass-catching running back, you need somebody to take the lid off. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Makes sense to me. So do you want to just run, want me to run through my, my guys I like real quick? Because I know we have a lot more show left. And I think the guys I like less are maybe even more interesting. Well, no, so. let's 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 just – I want to I hear you talk about Devin Singletary first before we get to some of the negative ones because – you know, with Devin Singletary, Andy and I talked about grenade players a couple episodes ago, and I think Zach Moss is like starting to kind of figure into this backfield. Does that have you nervous at all? Because you've got him at running back 23. His consensus ranking is 33. Yes, I am a little concerned here. And, and the more information that comes out, the less bullish I am on Singletary. I think I've dropped in a couple spots since since uh, this article came out. Um, but he's certainly not costing a high draft pick for a running back who saw 31 red zone opportunities the final six games last year. The Bills run a ton of plays, but he's not the greatest receiver for sure. They obviously tried to replace him with J.D. McKissick and then drafted James Cook. But college guys I trust don't I I'm, I'm less bullish on cook than some of the fantasy community is and I, I'm not quite sure he's going to take away uh, much on the ground at all from Singletary yeah yeah add in Zach Moss and if he's improved in the offseason then <laughs> then it's a problem because I mean Josh Allen also runs in touchdowns too but man this is still a guy that the Bills one of the best maybe the best situation in all fantasy football just because of how many plays they run it, it was treated as a true feature back down the stretch and fantasy drafters aren't treating him as such uh this year at all at draft tables but again in, adding in Zach Moss, that could absolutely be a problem. And normally, I'm all about backs who who catch passes, but uh, but Singletary might be the exception here as a guy who just again 31 red zone opportunities the final six weeks. Um, and again in the playoffs, he was the guy. But absolutely, if Zach Moss becomes a thing, uh, I would quickly fade this situation. And Devin Singletary just falls, man. I mean, you can get him. I feel like he in the draft that we were in, he was at the top of the queue for like a couple of rounds, you know, because nobody really wants to draft him. Um, so I. I think there is a lot of um, d just the ambiguity of this situation of Zach Moss is going to get involved, you know, makes it a little more difficult, but I still think there's a decent, like you want to bet on a bills running back. Right. And, and if you truly believe that James cook is not going to be involved much as a rusher, that still leaves a lot of juice for Singletary. I think James cook is more of a problem for the bills, pass catchers like Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie to a certain degree and Dawson Knox to a certain degree. I think he's more of a problem for those guys than he probably is for Tevin Singletary and Zach Moss as a rusher. Then I really hope Cook is not the real deal because I have a lot of Gabe Davis and Isaiah <laughs> McKenzie as well. But yeah, so yeah, we'll see. I like yet. Isaiah McKenzie. But I love taking Isaiah McKenzie late. I think he's a good. I think he's a good player. I think that he's. I think he's a problem for Gabe Davis too. It's just why I can't get on board with um, you know, your uh, your hot ass Gabe Davis take. <laughs> but I do respect the hell out of you for it. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Dalton and I will be back on the other side to talk about the running backs he likes less than consensus searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the old man and the three presented by bmw gives you an inside look into the world of sports hosted by former nba sharpshooter and duke legend jj reddick and sports writer tommy alter the old man and the three offers unprecedented access to the league tommy and jj discuss the nba and interview some of the biggest names in the league like devin booker and luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. 
Dalton, as I said with Jason Moore a few episodes ago, we end up focusing so much on these kind of like later round guys, you know, the sleepers. Like, what if this what if this situation breaks breaks right for this guy? You know, this could happen. We don't talk enough about the players that are going early in the draft, and we don't often talk about what can go wrong for those players. Andy and I did the whole Steelers preview a few episodes ago and went we talked about all those wide receivers and what could happen this way. What about Mitch Trubisky? What about Kenny Pickett? And it's like, oh yeah, right. Najee Harris. We should probably talk about him on the on the Steelers preview episode. Um, so Najee Harris, where are we at with with Najee, and um, why are you lower than consensus by four spots? I'm gonna say fantasy pick. Nothing wrong. I'm not gonna say he's going to be a bust, but um, yeah, I have him as my RB10. He's consensus RB6. He played a whopping 171 more snaps than the next closest running back last year, but just four of his 307 carries went for more than 20 yards. So he's not exactly the most explosive back. You're just relying on a ton of volume here. And he's projected to see a lesser workload this year. Anthony McFarlane, among others, a rookie back has emerged a little there, but the coaching staff has flat out said they want to play him fewer snaps. Obviously, you have a shaky quarterback situation there still. And, and I'll go further on the quarterback uh, situation. Roethlisberger sucked for the receivers, but he loved dumping off. Uh, and conversely, David Montgomery saw his targets cut in half when Mitch Trubisky was on the field uh, over the two to the last, you know, Mitch Trubisky was not there last year, but the previous two years in Chicago. So that is horrible. I mean, that to me is like the scariest thing of all for Harris, who's again, only one year younger than my guy Barkley. Uh, so playing for one of the worst offensive lines in the league and quarterbacks projected to see a lighter workload. Um, no, thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm personally taking the certainly Barkley or Swift, but I'm also taking Kamara and Aaron Jones over, over Najee Harris. Oh, yeah. I love, love uh, Aaron Jones. I also have Aaron Jones uh, ahead of Najee Harris. And I've got him running back seven. So I'm in between consensus and you there. And like Andy, when we talked about him, he's really kind of no hesitation in on Najee Harris. And I think that could end up being the right answer because, look, there are very, very few backs that you can project to play the amount of snaps that Najee Harris is going to play. The Steelers can say all they want about they're going to get, you know, any of these other goofball running backs into the mix. They never do that. Whenever they have a guy, they ride that running back. They ride the one guy. And I know maybe this is like narrative stuff, but Mike Tomlin teams did it with Lev Bell. They did like when Lev Bell would get hurt, they'd throw D'Angelo Williams out there for like 90% of the snaps. They did it with Harris last year. They did it with James Conner when he was there um, as the pure backup. When they've got a dude, they usually just ride that dude. And I think they view obviously Najee Harris as that dude. They took him in the first round, you know, even if I don't agree with that pick and the way they went about it, like they wanted to fix their running game and they got the thing you, the, you should fix the offensive line before you get the running back to fix your running game. Cause their running game, by the way, still kind of sucked last year from an efficiency standpoint, but the volume is really going to be there for Najee, which is why I can't get him all the way down to running back 10. But I agree with you that, He's not a guy that, like, when I did my first round remock uh, this week for the site, he was the guy that fell the most for me. He went from pick six to, like, back half of the first round. And, you know, Andy totally was like, no, he's not a back half first round pick. I, the thing that you bring up about the quarterbacks is really well taken, at least for me, because when you look at this situation, yeah, I, I agree that Deontay Johnson is a, is a great receiver and is going to get volume no matter what. And we want him to get volume further down the field because he can do that stuff. But like Najee Harris getting 94 targets last year, that ain't happening again with quarterbacks like Mitch, who who's going to take off and run. Even Kenny Pickett, I think it's undersold as a rusher. So some of those dump off targets could turn into scrambles for some of these quarterbacks. I think that's a really good point. 
If you want to get fourth place in your fantasy league, draft Najee Harris in the first round. <laughs> I love it. That's that's like that's the hammer right there. That's the way that's the way you do it. All right, Derrick Henry. You've got him running back seven. Uh, his consensus rankings running back four. I have him at running back five, just one spot behind Dalvin Cook, one spot ahead of Aaron Jones. God, I'm so I'm so, like so absurdly high on Aaron Jones. But Derrick Henry, I think the the upside downside case is really easy to lay out for this one. I love Derrick Henry. I hope I'm wrong. A couple years ago, I wrote a column for the site saying, arguing to draft him number one overall. And when he was like, you know, going 10th or something running back, I hope I'm wrong here. But man, coming off this foot surgery that required metal plates and five screws, his the nerd stats, missed tackles uh, percentage, uh, broken tackles plus missed tackles percentage uh, has declined dramatically the last few years. Now, to be fair, when you compare his first half numbers last year, he's always better the second half of seasons. You know, he wears down defenses. So maybe a monster second half was coming, but it certainly looked like he was a declining player the first half last year. And here's one key to me. Henry's PPR production has dropped 45%, more than 10 PPR points per game during Titans losses over the last few years. And the Titans are projected to go 500 this year. I know they were the number one seed last year, but their over-under is around nine in most sites. So um, I don't love the setup there and coming off this major, major injury. And he was always tough to, he would always break the mold in PPR leagues, how he was doing it. It's just tough to get, to rely on that many carries. I know I saw a few more targets last year and AJ Brown is gone, but to me, you know, running back with his workload uh, dating, you know, he just worked so hard throughout high school and college too. So don't just look at his NFL career carries and his age and his uh, injury. I just am a little worried about clicking his his button when there's other options like like a younger Swift and Barkley. But boy, again, I hope I'm wrong here because the big dog is certainly fun to watch. <laughs> I know. One of my favorite players. Never had any bad queso, as we know. God, I mean, just such <laughs> one of the most unique guys in the NFL. Uh, I've said many times, great, great player. Great guy to talk to. Really nice uh, human being. But geez, man, I mean, it's tough. He's sort of the same thing with like Saquon Barkley. And it would be a year earlier. When it starts with running backs, when the injury starts, like and and you mentioned some decline there in the early season efficiency, you know, sometimes when it starts, it starts and it's hard to stop with running backs. But I mean, Derrick Henry at the same time, he's not nearly as concerning from an injury perspective, at least I don't think. And and again, maybe I'm wrong because this is not my forte, but he's not nearly concerning from an injury perspective as like a Christian McCaffrey or even even a Barkley, right? Like we haven't seen a major, major injury that's taken out an entire season. You know, I mean, Henry was out for a decent stretch last year, but still, we haven't quite seen that concern. And he returned, even returned. And he returned. He yeah. was able to return, but... But man, maybe I'm way off base here, but um, yeah, I mean, I know Barkley's just been such a disaster the last two years, but he's 25 years old and looks great right now. Uh, does, is Henry currently playing with these screws in his foot? And he's 28 years old. I, I, yeah. To me, I think that's, it's very much uh, 50-50 who could get, who's more of an injury risk this year, but maybe I'm off base. Maybe, maybe I'm to totally wrong on that. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I think I'm okay. Ask I think Edwin. I'm okay. Ask Edwin. Hey, Edwin. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, I mean, we'll, we'll talk to the doctor next week because I know he's in on my Barkley pick. He's still harassing me in the direct messages uh, <laughs> trying to get to trade. He's offering me Najee Harris, which is funny. I'm like, I want to oh, send him my article. I'm like, here. He's like, you need I, to I'm read, down read. on one and high on the other. I know. Clearly, he doesn't read my work. Yeah, clearly <laughs> offering me these, uh, these, these things. But, uh, but ask him. I'm curious to thought, seriously, seriously about the, the yeah, plates and screws in Derrick Henry's foot. I've not even heard that talked about a ton, but the dude is obviously a big guy now 28 years old i'm curious if that is uh, if i'm overrating that risk yeah no i think it'll be really interesting to um uh to go through there so 
last guy I think I, we can talk about for the players that you're below consensus on, and then I have kind of a surprise. Because we talked about camp makers and Antonio Gibson on the last podcast together. There's really no reason to rehash that. and Don't be, don't be drafting either of those guys, right? Like, don't, don't, don't draft those players right now. David Montgomery is interesting to me. Consensus ranking still has him at running back 18. I have him lower than that at running back 23, and I think I need to drop him even more closer to where you have him at running back 27. David Montgomery is going to need all of the touches to kind of hit this running back to hope that we have for him, at least a consensus ranking has for him. And I just, I think Khalil Herbert's going to be involved. I think some of these other guys are going to be involved and this is not going to be a good offensive system. I really can't find many good reasons to draft David Montgomery either. Yeah. One of the five worst offenses probably in the NFL this season, you could safely project. Um, and Khalil Herbert is just flat out might be better than, him. I mean, I know PFF he's good. rushing, he's good PFF rushing grades last year. I know they're not perfect, but Montgomery ranked 64th Khalil Herbert ranked sixth, according to PFF rushing grades last year. And he just pops off the screen. Um, there's a t- entirely new coaching staff. that's not tied to Montgomery who's been seeing time on special teams this summer. I know people are making fun of Antonio Gibson, but so is Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, I mean, I have him bar- barely as a top 30 fantasy back. And frankly, I mean, I think it's it's 50-50 who has a better fantasy season between him and Khalil Herbert. So um, I get that Montgomery has had some massive uh, volume stretches. And, and it, part of that one part of the year, we had a really benefited from a really nice schedule. Um, and he's he can rece- he's definitely a better receiver than Herbert. But in a bad uh, Chicago offense and with a, a teammate who might be the far better running back, uh, I don't see D- David Montgomery getting drafted where he has a top 20 fantasy back at all. And one of those guys goes late in the drafts in Khalil Herbert. And you kind of have to use a, a reasonably premium mid-round pick on David Montgomery. So he's just like a clear X, don't draft a player to me. Last guy I want to talk about, and I, I saw this just looking at your rankings, and I wanted to pick your brain on him because uh, Frank and I just kind of debated Chase Edmonds on the Dolphins preview. I I find myself really interested in Chase Edmonds. Like, as we as Frank and I said, maybe the ceiling isn't really great, but they went out and they paid this guy right away like I wouldn't expect the first free agent uh, transaction to be damn uh, Chase Edmonds going to the Dolphins but that's what it was so why are you high on Chase Edmonds you've got to be I have been running by 28 which is head of consensus you've got him at running by 21 which is uh oh no excuse me. oh sorry that is that's our that's your guy Damian Pierce you've already got up at running back 21 we love to see, <laughs> yeah, love to see that, that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Chase Edmonds tw- running back 24 like I said even a little few a few spots higher than me yeah let's talk some some Edmonds he ranked uh top 10 in target share and yards per route run among running backs last year. So again, I love the backs who get see those targets. So I, and I also feel like Miami's just been mistakenly labeled like a crowded backfield. Like I love Raheem Mostert, love the guy, but he's the most injury prone player in the league, arguably. And Sony Michelle and Miles Gaskin are, are just guys that are like bottom 10 in the, in the advanced stats. Actually they're, they're bad actually, arguably. I mean, like, really bad so every, every team has four or five running backs on their roster you know but just because you could name Sony Michelle it doesn't make him a competition so I think Edmonds could emerge there as the lead runner but certainly is the clear passing down back in an offense that you know is going to require a lot of attention with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the field so yeah I like Chase Edmonds quite a bit and I think he could easily finish as a top 15 PPR back this year yeah um, I really like Edmonds. Like, like I said yesterday with Frank, I, I come down on the positive side. I'm ahead of consensus on Edmonds. And, you know, I think the efficiency has kind of been there with him. And this is just a good rushing ecosystem. And, and like you said, it's theoretically crowded, but I don't know that it's actually going to be crowded. I mean, I, Frank did make a good argument about like maybe Sony Michelle ends up as kind of the James Conner in the, to chase Edmonds in this situation, but not quite as much like 
touchdown upside, not as much explosion. But yeah, I don't think Edmonds is ever going to be a workhorse feature back, but I certainly think he's going to be um, a high scoring player in this offense. Good rushing. And they upgraded, system. as you guys mentioned, they Tehran Armstead, it's left tackle, upgraded their offensive line as well. Yeah, man, I, I was glad to see your ranking on Chase Edmonds because I kind of feel sometimes like I'm crazy. Like everybody's got him in the in the 30s and I, I don't I don't see it. I think he should. I know it seems like a scary backfield to get involved in. And obviously, like the specter of the Shanahan committee stuff is always hanging over anybody that's like associated with the Niners. But they, again, they went out and, and kind of, you know, made this guy the guy sort of at least by salary. McDaniel was also the guy who who met um, he he was the whole running game for the Niners. That's what his yeah. job was was the running game. He would that's so I mean if yes I understand that he's a Shanahan tree, but it's specifically the running game too. So yeah, I'm bullish on Edmonds. I would take him over the David Montgomery uh, certainly Antonio Gibson at this stage. But uh, boy, there, in that gigantic running back dead zone, uh, I, I like Penny just because of just the the upside there. And then Chase Edmonds in PPR it would be a guy I would be targeting if that's if you don't you're not lucky enough to get Damian Pierce. <laughs> exactly and I, I don't think that he'll ever chase Edmonds will ever get up into the adp range of some of those other dead zone backs because people think this is going to be a committee and you know these other guys have bigger names they've had bigger fantasy success before and i i just think that Edmonds, you're never gonna have to actually draft him that way all right let's transition to the cleveland browns and oh the universe what must have knew we were doing our browns preview today because dalton as we are taping this news is breaking here at noon eastern time on August 18th, breaking news, the NFL and NFLPA reached an agreement on an 11-game suspension for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. The settlement also includes a fine of $5 million that will go to charity. Adam Schefter says the deal is not signed yet, but it is agreed to. So, sounds like this is the final, like we can finally put this to bed. Deshaun Watson is going to miss 11 games for the Cleveland Browns. I think this probably... I think this probably takes them out of like the Jimmy Garoppolo market. If he's not going to miss an entire season, I don't know if it should. I think they're still kind of <laughs> 11 games is a long time to start Jacoby Brissett, but I think that's probably how this is going to go. So it's been tough to project the Browns. It's been tough to talk about the Browns. It's still, I mean, it doesn't feel great to talk about the Browns from a football perspective, obviously, right? Because of the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But what does this do to this offense with 11 games gone for Deshaun Watson? Uh, it's a good point about the Jimmy G, another trade partner gone. It's Zach Wilson's injury looked like it opened one up, but it seems to me like he's just going to have to be released by the yeah. Niners at this point. Um, oh, yeah, big news here. I, I expected uh, probably a full season here, so I don't really know what to do with my rankings with 11 games. I mean, that's just yeah. the weird. Uh, obviously, the fantasy playoffs matter the most, so certainly it's it's better news than the whole season if you have Nick Chubb or Amari Cooper or David Njoku. So, um, yeah, it could have been worse for sure. I mean, the, the range of outcomes here certainly featured a, a lot longer than 11 games. Yeah, like I, I think that, and this just is um, just the, the scumminess of, of the situation and like how much, like I said, it's just not, not great to talk about. It doesn't feel good to talk about. Oh, so the, from a football angle, you know, finally, when it was clear he was going to get more than the six games, like the NFL was going to bring the hammer down. Pro then we finally seen like, all right, let's negotiate. And, oh, Deshaun makes like a not great public uh, apology to Aditi Kinkawala from CBS. Like, I mean, just give me a break with this whole thing. It's ridiculous. But 11 games, I'll tell you what, Dalton, like, Six was kind of the bare minimum for any sort of like me being interested in any of these Browns. For me personally, like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draft Amari Cooper 
at any point where he's going to go. I don't give a shit if he's going to get like, he's never been like a 24% target player. He's never been a guy that's, you know, been a, a dominant target share receiver. I know it looks that way on this depth chart, right? Because these other guys are, are you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz, a lot of date rookie David Bell. There's a lot of unproven players, but Cooper's never been a dominant target share receiver. I don't think he's good enough, especially at this stage of his career, to be a dominant target share player. So I'm betting on the history of who he's been as a player, and he's now tethered to Jacoby Brissett for 11 games. Like, that's a clear red light to me. I mean, I I, I ended up really dropping him down hard in the rankings. I mean, I've got him right now, Amari Cooper, at wide receiver 34. I, if, if I've got him ranked at wide receiver 34, I will. You'll never ever get him if you're going to use my rankings. Like you know, the following guys. Give me in this tier clearly ahead of Cooper. I'm on Ross St. Brown, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Gabe Davis, Darnell Mooney, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen. Like all of those guys. And then I've got Hunter Renfro and Tyler Lockett in that tier right after him. And I, I don't know. I I just never. I'm not going to draft Amari Cooper if, if Deshaun Watson's missing 11 games. I have him buried even way further in my wide receiver 39, but I'll probably move him up a little <laughs> bit with this with this news. But yeah, wildly, he's never exceeded a 22% target share throughout his career. He has massive indoor-outdoor splits, and now Jacoby Brissett throwing to him. Um, yeah, no, no thanks. So wherever I move him up to, it'll still be lower than where he's being drafted. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm out on Cooper. Uh, and Nick Chubb, might, like I said earlier, might be the, one of the best running backs in the NFL. You know, he's the only player in NFL history with four consecutive seasons of five-plus yards per carry on more than... 150 attempts I mean if we gave him uh, a Henry workload he would be a superstar but unfortunately there's Kareem Hunt Dearness Johnson and even Jerome Ford looks exciting because don't be surprised if they trade one of those Johnson and Hunt but also Ford is there too and it's still a committee so with with the poor offense and and also he's not targeted that hurts his fantasy so Nick Chubb's one of the better real life players uh that gets nicked in, in fantasy based on his situation the only guy I could get excited about here is Njoku um he was just yeah. treated I think he was paid like a top five tight end for that contract they gave him in the offseason no longer competing with Austin Hooper um Jacoby Brissett um I, the last time he was a starter 2019 Ebron and Jack Doyle combined for a 30% target share. So <laughs> wow. Brissett loved to throw to his tight ends, apparently. So, um, yeah, and Joku remains in his prime as some crazy workout numbers. And if we're out on Cooper, so, yeah, draft, draft in Joku late. Yeah, I, that's kind of my thing. Like when you do projections for the Browns offense, I think you got to give a pretty decent target share to David and Joku. He's the only Browns player I'm I'm interested in drafting, really, at ADP. You know, when it, I mean, because, again, when you look at, after tight end nine to me, and you know my tight ends are pretty much the same as everybody else: Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, T.J. Hawkinson. After those guys, it's like a crap. It's a total crapshoot. I mean, Zach Ertz projects really well, but how much of a ceiling does Zach Ertz have at this point in his career? Like, I think if you're looking to finish between tight end ten and twelve. Zach Ertz is there. Um, Albert O, the reports haven't been exactly what you want out of Denver. Pat Fryermuth, there's a lot of balls to go around on a potentially not great offense. You just look at David and Joker and you're like, they paid this guy. Austin Hooper's gone. Um, and and he tight ends are a slow burn position. He was a young player coming in the NFL, and he's gotten a lot, a lot better as a blocker throughout the course of his career, which is is a key in this offense. Like he might never, and now he might be like 80 plus percent snap guy, which would be huge for Njoku at tight end. I have him at tight end 10. 
I, I love it because yeah, Albert O I have right there after the Ertz guys you mentioned, right? There, I agree with you. Those, those nine are, are the, are the clear nine for me. And then Albert O is not great. The, the usage he's getting in the first preseason game. I'm still a believer, but uh, me too. I'm, suggests... I still want to believe. I still want to believe, <laughs> but definitely question marks. And yeah, and Joku uh, right on that next tier is as much upside as anyone, any of them. I'm going to move them up there as we speak. And especially now having Deshaun Watson during the fantasy playoffs certainly won't hurt either. Yeah. And Nick Chubb will finish before just finishing kind of on Watson himself. Like Nick Chubb, I I agree. It's really tough. Where do you, where do you have him ranked? I I know I had your ranks pulled up. Where do you, where do you have him ranked right now? Yeah, I have him ranked 15th, but I mean, it's because I draft a lot of PPR. I mean, if you're in half PPR, I probably, I mean, whatever you move him above ETN, right, right behind Javante Williams around my 14th back. We'll say. Yeah, that's kind of where I have him too. I have him um, in my third tier of running backs because I have a I have a Taylor McCaffrey and Eckler as a tier to themselves. As I think like the only guys that you're taking in the first five picks this year, or at least you should. Tier two to me is just huge, right? It goes all the way from Dalvin Cook to to Saquon Barkley at running back four to eleven. Then it's Kamara, James Conner. I've got James Conner ahead of Nick Chubb for sure. Like I he from a touchdown perspective just so much better the role is so much better uh because i think he's going to walk into pass catching work is james connor this year i i think if kareem hunt was traded this would be great but the browns seemingly don't want to trade kareem hunt and i like kareem hunt's not i'm not there's no scenario where i draft kareem hunt uh right because even when chubb's been out it's not like kareem hunt's taken over and and been great in fantasy so he's not really like a, a fantasy asset as Kareem Hunt, I think, at this point. Or like not a, if you're starting Kareem Hunt, your team's screwed, right? But And he Ch- goes aggressively or my you know, relatively aggressively for I a know. backup running back on a team with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Kareem Hunt is always off my radar whenever he goes and drafts. So yeah, Nick Chubb, I've got a running back 14 and like that that feels fine to me. I do think I'll consider after kind of hearing uh, we talked about Javante Williams, and I really did think that Jason's case was pretty good. I, I thought that I think maybe like I might move Javante Williams ahead of Nick Chubb and make a running back 15 there. But all right, last thing, just Watson himself. I think we should at least have the conversation of this guy. By the way, it is not that like, oh, man, uh, can't can't wait to see him get revenge on these guys because that's just the dumbest thing to say but his first game back is going to be against the texans uh so some sort of like irony oh. there yeah great are you serious uh, really yeah yeah, That's, yeah. No. week 13 at houston uh against the texans so our texans dalton give me a break davis mills will be uh will be leading uh leading a 500 push there nico collins catching uh eight touchdowns this year our uh, damian pierce winning offensive rookie of the year our texans dalton that the, how dare they do this to our texans but yeah I think we should at least have a conversation about the fact that Deshaun Watson is going to be forever since we've seen him play football. Like all this, this talk that, you know, I've said it a hundred times about Michael Thomas, everybody that analyzes football, I think has said it about Michael Thomas. Like, man, it's been a long, long time since we've, since we've seen Michael Thomas play football. That was like back in the 2020 season. That's the last time we saw Deshaun Watson play football too. an entire year off last year. It'll be 11 games this year. Obviously he's had some preseason action. He's had some training camp action with the team. It's not like a total, total absence, but I'm Watson odds are will probably still be a good quarterback. But if we never see if the Browns did all this, sold their soul, paid all these draft picks out, did this crazy contract that pissed off all the NFL, all the rest of the NFL owners, you know, had to live through basically shovel all this to get to here. 
I think there's a chance Deshaun Watson just never a top five quarterback again because it's been so long and he's, you know, he's an age and he's not old, but he's, you know, only going to get older from here, if that makes any sense. Yeah, two NFL seasons nearly is an, is an eternity. He had a really ugly stat line in his first preseason action, although one play I saw was a bad drop that would have continued to drive, but it was a ugly stats. Um, so as, as gross as all this off-field off stuff is with Watson, and I, and I do agree the two years off could, could affect his on-field play as well, but it, last time we did see him play, I mean, dude was arguably the best player in the NFL. 8.9 YPA, I'm positive that led the NFL without DeAndre Hopkins and a bad coaching staff. Uh, 33 yeah. touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, playing outdoors with bad teammates. I mean, uh, he, yeah, he was he was a super duper star, if not underrated, even though he was treated as a star the last time we saw him play football. But two years off, different situation. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely, um, I'm I'm open to him. Yeah, that two years affecting him greatly and him never being a top five player again. That would not be a shock. But last time we saw him, he was uh, he was a legit he was, superstar. He he was awesome. That team didn't have like a running game at all either. He'll certainly have a running game here. Like David Johnson, 146 carries for 691 yards and six touchdowns was the leading rusher. Deshaun Watson was the second leading rusher for that Texas team. And who were his but, receivers? But, I, I mean, mean they no had Hopkins, Brandon, but... Brandon Cooks and and Will Fuller had that awesome Fuller, yeah, eleven Fuller. game yeah, stretch. Yeah, and, and then the Fuller's PED just quit playing hit. football without without with Watson. Oh, yeah, he's just yeah. giving up. Yeah, he's just you know, so <laughs> but yeah, okay, that was not the worst receivers, but definitely the coaching. And, I know they were like really, really bad on yes. first down, a lot of runs and stuff. Yeah, and they fired I think they fired Bill O'Brien like four games into into that season too, which uh was a nightmare. But I would just say like I, shoot, I'd rather have Brandon Cooks and that version of Will Fuller than Amari Cooper and you know, the goofballs at wide receiver for this team. So I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just I long story short, definitely don't draft Deshaun Watson, um, you know, at all. If you're in a one quarterback league, don't even don't even if you can let somebody else waste your time with that, I think is, is the is the thing for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised if he comes back after 11 games this season. And it's just like, eh, he's 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 good, but he's not great, I guess, is, is like be open yeah. to that possibility. For sure. And I need to recalibrate. I honestly just expected him to be to be suspended this season. This actually does surprise me. I thought I thought he was going to going to miss this year. So I don't know. It's, it's I mean, for uh, fantasy, it's, 11 games might as well be the season. Like, you know, you don't really think you can count on any anything from if your team stinks after 11 games. It's not going to turn itself around. Yeah, totally. And we got to bring it back to the Niners, man. No, no Jimmy G trade partner. Come on. We're going to have to <laughs> we're going to eat. We have to just release that. But uh, I know. Okay. I mean, Listen, if I was the Browns, I would think about I don't know what it would call. I would think about flipping some kind of pick for Jimmy G um, just because it's Jacoby Brissett, bro. Like you, you're not going to this is a good this roster is good. Whether I have questions about the receiving core or not, like they've got a good offensive line. Their defense has players on it. They have, a, you know, a great running back in Nick Chubb. There's there's stuff that they could do with this roster. Like don't burn 11 games on Jacoby Brissett, please. But I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing. And yeah, the Niners probably end up releasing uh, Jimmy G. What a what, that just couldn't everything that could go wrong for the Jimmy G uh, trade negotiations has gone wrong for the poor 49ers. Our Niners, Dalton. Yeah, I know that did not, not worked out as as expected, but it's okay because we have Trey Lance uh, tearing up the practice. Actually, he's a uh, struggle at times against a tougher defense there, but um, I'm sure we'll have more time in the future to talk a little Trey Lance. Oh, yeah, I think I think we'll be talking Trey Lance soon enough. Um, but all right for now. 
that is going to do it for us. Um, I'm glad that news broke in the middle of the podcast so I didn't have to come back, Funny, yeah. you know, after like five beers at the pool and uh, try to come tape a, an addenda version of this uh, Browns preview with you. Uh, but Dalton, thank you for making the time. Appreciate you, man. Always great doing the podcast with you. You all out there can follow Dalton on Twitter to see what his next Twitter beef will be at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott Pienowski is going to be back with me on Monday morning to discuss any preseason action from the weekend, along with the preview of both the Bills and the Patriots. Oh, my God. That's going to be like a three-hour podcast. Until then, we're out.